0: welcome. This is the Filmmaker's Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about indie films, how to make them, and how to get to that studio level and keep them indie. How do you do that? Well, hopefully today we shall tell you because our guest is the one and only Hollywood producer Jack Binder, who has done everything across the board from making his own indie films... Also working within the studio system. And both working within the studio system and making indie films well there. It's kind of where we all want to be, right? This podcast, today's episode, tells you exactly how we did that. It's brilliant, and what a lovely guy. And it was set up by Dom Lenoir, who joins me as a co-host today. Speaking of Dom Lenoir and moi-self we are doing the Make Your Film event, the second one, and it is Tonight, yeah, that is right, in London, tonight is the Make Your Film event, I'm sure you all already know about it, already, if you don't, grab your tickets quick, we've already sold over 100, but I believe there's a couple of extra seats squeezed in there, so, it's a new event by the way, those who are coming down, I can't wait to see you all again, um, it's Westminster Kingsway College in King's Cross, so it's not the same venue as last time, it's only in tickets anyway, you'll see it in the emails, but just don't go to the same place. Cool, very excited about that. That is tonight. Grab your tickets very quickly. I'll see you there. Also, this week, as you know, I have been doing my first ever official crowdfunder for, for mine and Dan Richardson's documentary, Food for Thought. It has been a fascinating, insightful week. Thank you so much Those of you Who listen to the podcast Who pledged And donated And getting your rewards And part of our little gang Thank you Honestly it means the world to me We've raised 28% So far Of our total We are over the moon It is an incredible start But it's a long way to go And we've only got Another two weeks And a day Yeah Six days in And we've got 28% Now the real hard work Begins The slump in the middle So if you are feeling kind and you can retweet us if you can find us on facebook and give us a little nudge and a like and say go on do these guys a favor i would love it if any of you can donate contribute want an award oh even better but i understand no pressure just love is all i ask in return so the food for thought documentary link is in the show notes so yeah been a really interesting week it's uh It's not easy doing a crowdfunder. It really isn't. But I don't want to get about that now. I want to get you onto this week's podcast before we get there a couple of shout outs for those who have been so kind and given so much love on Twitter this week for not only the podcast but for the Food for Thought documentary as well Sam Benjamin, Diane Knight Mark Leatham, Carter Ferguson from the Film Pro Productivity he actually gave us a shout out on the podcast his podcast is amazing if you haven't listened to it the Film Pro Productivity podcast it is wonderful, inspiring get listening Uh, Matt Hookings, Andy Osho, our first associate producer. Uh, She's a comedian and a director herself, and she's an amazing person as well. Uh, Josh Forlan, uh, even though he was on the podcast last week, he was the guest last week. He also was lovely and did some lovely retweets and likes for us. Martin Neely, thanks, brother. How They Did It podcast, I was on there. I was a guest on his podcast on Ian O'Neill's podcast, yeah, How They Did It podcast, I'm talking about how I made the documentary, podcasting and the dare, if you're interested in hearing more about me, talk, <laughs> then listen to Ian O'Neill's podcast, it's a cool podcast anyway, get involved, link is in the show notes maybe, uh, Kevin Pibus and to Will Kenning for not only completing the second draft of his feature film, which is really hard to do, first draft, it's tough, you can get there, get through it But actually the second draft where you might want to show it to someone That's hard Screenwriting is hard You've really got to dedicate yourself You've really got to put yourself out there And be inspired and overcome all those obstacles And those things that get in your way And how you can't get someone out of the closet And now you can't get them into the closet All that stuff, Will Kenning, congratulations I'm proud of you, I can't wait to read it And I actually look forward to seeing you At the Make Your Film event tonight link to the make your film event is in the show notes click the link i'll see you there right that's indie film shoutouts. let's get to today's podcast with jack binder um who not only tells us about how he started making indie films working with his brother who's a director how he's worked with studios how he's made indies how he has worked with ben affleck kevin costner And Adam Sandler. Yet he's worked with all of them on three different films. He's also worked in London four times, of which we found out quite an amazing fact during this podcast: that I am in one of his films. Yep, correct. You'll have to wait for that moment of discovery of joys. Please, hashtag the actual thing of what it is. Wonderful Oh and yes, and of course he tells us about First Reformed The wonderful new film with Ethan Hawke Of which it was Oscar nominated for Best Screenplay Yeah, this guy's worked with some legends He still is Myself and Dom included, obviously This is this week's Filmmakers Podcast With the wonderful Jack Binder Enjoy
1: Hey there Hello, hello Hey, how's
0: it going? Very good, sir. How are you?
1: Good. Doing very well, thank you.
0: Thank you very much for joining us on this lovely cold London evening. (laughs)
2: My pleasure, my pleasure. Nice to meet you.
0: So for us, obviously, we're going to talk about the Oscar-nominated film First Reformed, of course. But in terms of you can we Can we jump back right to the beginning and how you started and why you wanted to become a filmmaker in the first place?
2: Sure, happy to. happy to. Um, from Detroit, Michigan, yeah, and uh, got into the business uh, early on, right out of college, basically. I was an electrical engineer for no apparent reason. at <laughs> uh, Michigan State University, and uh, coming out of uh, university, I met up with my brother, who was a stand-up comedian at the time and we we joined forces and we decided he was out in hollywood and would come back to michigan and we decided to uh put together a series of comedy concerts a a night of comedy and music uh, called the detroit comedy jam and we we put those on in in detroit and uh, surrounding cities ann arbor michigan kalamazoo michigan they were quite successful we brought we brought in um, uh, top named comedians from uh, Hollywood, and they would we put so put together a night, and they they did really well. We sold out. We had uh, people around the blocks, and we're like, "Oh, this is interesting." Mm-hmm. So we had a lot, a lot of fun doing that. And then uh, eventually, we um, we raised independent financing to film one. It was one of the first filmed actual filmed comedy concerts. I think the only mm-hmm. other one at the time was. Richard Pryor's uh, comedy special and uh, so we had that in the can and we shot that at the Fisher Theatre in downtown Detroit and uh, so then we went about finding an outlet for it you know it's a funny story how we actually went and approached George Carlin, who was performing, the great comedian. George Carlin sure. was were, was performing, and we we blagged our way backstage to <laughs> meet him, and uh, said it was very urgent business. And we got in there, and we we had a great meeting with him and conversation with him, and he agreed to help us get get to HBO. So we eventually sold it to HBO.
1: It's amazing. I mean, the the first venture into into business, and you're hustling. There's a bit of entrepreneurialness sort of going on, and it seems to have sort of come quite naturally.
2: Ah, uh, definitely. Well, you guys know how it goes. You know, do what it takes. Guerrilla filmmakers. Um, you know, don't take no for an answer, and uh, just just push forward. And you know, it was a long it was a long slog, but we got there in the end, and that was really exciting. So I caught the bug for the business there and uh was not much too much longer that i decided to move to los angeles and and take this seriously thinking okay great i produced these concerts this show it's going on hbo i'm a big producer now and i found myself getting coffee in los angeles (laughs) (laughs) as you do (laughs) and uh no i I landed in the office of a of a, a top manager actually managed robin williams And he said that exactly to me. He's like, yeah, great. Welcome to Hollywood. You'll get coffee for 10 years. And he he was not terribly wrong. (laughs) But he did put me to work on one of my first shows, which was uh, Robin Williams Live at the Met.
0: Oh, what a show. Wow.
2: So I was really excited to get involved with that. And it got involved with the team there and, you know, just worked really hard and learned a lot. And that led to... um, work on a show called not necessarily the news which is a takeoff of your not the nine o'clock news there you go yes yeah and so i rose through the ranks there to to be uh from a pa to a production coordinator um going on we also produced comic relief do you remember the comic relief show we still got
1: it here
0: it's still big here
1: in the massive here like every every year it's like a it's a big tv thing that everyone kind of tunes in for
2: yeah, yeah, well that was uh I was at the the very start of that. I was actually a production assistant on that show and uh, during the live it was 24 camera live shoot at Universal Studios and mid in the middle of the show I was uh elevated to production coordinator just through some tricky um walkie-talkie work <laughs> of organization and coordination. And they were uh someone walked up to me. I think it was the producer walked up to me and said, You're now the production coordinator. And so I think <laughs> he was the happy he was happy with the way I was directing traffic because it was just chaos. It was utter chaos. I'm you know, we met every department and and, and uh somehow I had the, the foresight to calm everybody down, and just take a because it was we were escalating to chaos and talent wasn't able to get in at the gates because people weren't communicating. And somehow I, I got them to all calm down and, and relax and take a breather. And they really appreciated that. So I was uh, on the spot, promoted. And uh, that was an exciting experience. I mean, every comedian you can name in the business was there. And then went back to the show and was made coordinator on the show, and, uh, which is an HBO show. And so I was coordinating that production and we would do other things. We did a thing called the Cable Ace Awards that, that we did. And we produced the Emmys as well uh, for a couple of seasons. So anyway, went on, went on from that. And uh, then I got a job, answered a, an advert in a Variety for an assistant to an Academy Award uh, producer, a winning producer named Michael Phillips. I didn't know his name at the time. Went in, interviewed with Michael Phillips. And ended up getting the job. Michael Phillips uh, had a company uh, with um, Michael Douglas called Mercury Douglas Films. Michael was the Academy Award, win- Academy Award winning producer of Taxi Driver, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. and The Sting is what he won for. Uh, yeah. And uh, so it was an honor to work with him. And uh, it was an exciting time. Well, yeah. Well, Great. he
0: worked with Christine Vachon a lot as well, didn't he? A, yes. a little bit later, and she was an amazing producer as well. But he was, you know, a force of nature as well. Did you, you worked on um, "Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead"? Was that your one of your first films with Michael Phillips?
2: Yeah, yeah. We had a, he had an output deal with or a deal with uh, HBO to do films. They were just getting into films at that point, and and uh, yeah, "Don't Tell uh, Mom the Babysitter's Dead" with Christina Applegate. Yeah. Was, one of the first in that series. Of I films remember that, that
0: when I was a kid. It's great film, really fun. Yeah. So on that, uh, you're the assistant to Mr. Phillips. What did you actually have to do? Can you remember?
2: Well, I, would, I started out the assistant. I ended up the vice president of creative affairs and executive in charge of production for his company. But because what happened was at the time, it's a long story, but uh, as I got the job, A lot of people, let's just say, were walking out the door.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's good timing. (laughs) Good timing.
2: And they were were dropping file boxes on my desk and saying good luck as they (laughs) strode by. (laughs) um, (laughs) What's going on here? Yeah,
0: exactly. You must have been in two minds then of one, this is great. I'm getting promoted. But the other side thinking, what have I let myself in for?
2: Exactly. Exactly. And it, it was fish into the pan, into the fire. It was. We had deals at all the major studios, open writing assignments, directing assignments, projects and development. You know, my first week I was meeting with the president of Warner Brothers and wow. the president of Disney and, you know, way over my head. <laughs> you know, <I'm> just-
1: <laughs> but I, I guess I guess that's the kind of moments where you have to kind of, you know, set yourself aside from other people. And, uh, you know, as a producer, if you've got that ability to kind of control chaos and kind of find some kind of meaning in it and and look for opportunity where other people are kind of seeing disaster that's kind of where you can you know really make some of those amazing connections isn't it
2: yeah absolutely absolutely I just dove in you know and I said you know I've never been a a stranger to you know just accepting the challenge and okay let's figure this out you know there's no there's no manuals and there certainly weren't at that time there are no manuals on this (laughs) this side of the business and and so we just went through it and you know i you know, didn't know any better than just, okay, let's find writers. Who's who's funny? Who's funny and who's a funny writer? What are funny movies? Let's see about them. And you know, I remember going into one of the meetings and throwing out these suggestions. Like, That's a great idea. Get him on the phone. You know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: From there then, it was it a, a quite an easy step for you to actually start we started co-producing, you co-produced "Crossing the Bridge," "Indian Summer," Blankman. Was it? Was that kind of that was just part of what you were doing there at Michael Phillips' company, or was that how? Was it an easy sort of ride for you? I mean, it wasn't easy, but you know what I mean.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, it was a good segue. You know, we, um, you know, my brother and I had worked together, and then we kind of went our parallel, uh, separate ways in terms of just pursuing our careers, and you know, always with a mind to to work together. And I worked for Michael in developing those projects and and putting several into production. And he was uh, he sold a script to one of the guys I mentioned before um, that we ended up uh, Joe Roth, who at the time was chairman of Universal. And went on to be chairman of Fox and then went on to be chairman of Disney. Uh, wanted to direct my my script, so that was called Coupe de Ville, and so that was that was kind of just before I went to Michael Phillips, actually, and after the TV series, and that got me really, really great hands-on on the set because I, I went down as a PA on the movie, and they brought me down, and I I went away as an assistant unit production manager because. The the UP, DGA UPM really took me under his wing and really taught me a lot. He would send me around to, to, on missions, and so I was really working close with the production manager. So I got a great deal of experience in that. So then going into Michael, working on the executive side and the studio side and the creative development, and everything, and then being on the set with Michael Phillips for the movies and, and everyone involved with that. That kind of geared me up for. When we got the call that we um, that Mike had sold the script to a company called The Outlaws, who at the time were uh, were a couple of guys had done um, some really great independent films, you know, in the in the Bichon world. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was crossing the bridge. So we went on and that was independent financed uh, through Columbia TriStar Home Video at the time and yeah i just dove in and you know jeff silver's an amazing producer and it was it was my first contact with him no i i had known him through my don't tell mom the babysitters with dead, actually so he was a producer on that and then we got the call that he was buying the script and wanted to get that in production uh for crossing the bridge i'm like oh i know jeff that's great so so um so that that leap was kind of natural and I, I, it was a, it was bittersweet because I I wanted I really liked Michael Phillips. He's just an amazing guy. Yeah. And, and such a legend. And it, it was it was really sad to leave. And uh, but it was my it was a big jump for me to go to to the producer world. And he totally understood. And I went with blessings. And but it it, it, was, uh, it was it was a, it was a sad transition. But it very exciting because then it launched me into the world of yeah just diving into film production, so. and you had
0: some and and you had some great names in that you know now david schwimmer um you've got cheryl pollack Stephen baldwin um josh charles as well and obviously it been mike's feature film debut as well is that correct yeah, yeah. so that yes. must have been amazing as a family going right well i'm uh co-producing it well producing it and and you know your brother's directing it that must have been a fantastic turnout for you guys
2: yeah, that was really exciting. That was really exciting. It was, uh, you know, off to the races. And uh, it was, you know, it was a period film set in the 70s. So that, you know, had had its challenges and, you know, working with a uh, first-time director mm. and, uh, and, and and you know, working his way through it. And he, he was just a natural. I realized right off the bat he was just a natural. Yeah. Oh, that's
0: good. Because there 'cause there'd be nothing worse than going, uh-oh. Might have to sack my brother. Here.
1: <laughs> Everything's in trouble. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, right. No, you know, he he really established, you know, in my mind very early on with this film is that you know he's a problem solver. You know, he's mm-hmm. kind of guy. He's, and and he's a great writer. He's a, you know you, you know obviously I'm biased. He's my brother, but he's a fantastic writer, and and I'm not the only one that says so. The you know one of our scripts we talk about was. The most talked-about script in in the in the industry for a while, and we got it made. But he he did really developed a great talent for writing uh, based on his comedy, and uh, a big heart. And he he just really transitioned that into directing ability, and just being a real problem solver. And that really served us well in our independent film careers going forward. That he he wasn't you know he didn't box himself in. And he was very flexible and always had a solution, you know. We would we would work on solutions together to 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 make the shots work and and so no, I was I was really impressed by that early on.
0: That's amazing because it was quite a, a reasonably low budget, right? At the time, films weren't getting made for that much money, right? I mean, it did feel yeah. that way. Yeah. So was it a bit of a, a test as well from the production company and the distributors to see if you guys could actually deliver?
2: Well, in a way, we've kind of come full circle. Funny enough, I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, at the time it was low budget, but it was also a lot of money. And uh, we, we we were picked up by Disney, and we were I was on an on the lot producer then for Disney. Actually, in the middle of shooting this, they 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 made a deal with us, and I was based on the lot in Burbank. And uh, then they also commissioned Indian Summer that we went on to do with Bill Paxton, Alan Arkin, Diane Lane. And uh, so we're so was very much in the studio world at that point. And uh, and then we went on to do Then Damon Wayans uh, asked us to do um, Blank Man over at Columbia Pictures, which uh, which we went over there. And then I was on the lot and started a long relationship with Columbia Pictures, which is now Sony Pictures. And uh, uh, that was an amazing, amazing experience. Worked, actually worked with the UPM, who was Hitchcock's UPM.
0: Wow. And
2: that was, I've talked about a legend. This guy had seen yeah. it all, done it all. So experienced. So, you know, one lesson I'll give you on that. I, this guy, so experienced, so calm. You know, I think one of the biggest things I think is, is you know, I learned in this period is, is just working with real professionals like Jeffrey Silver and like with, with his name was Doc Erickson. You know, when you're that experienced and you're that professional, things don't upset you in the sense that they don't, you know, get you flustered. And these are the guys that, you know, you can tell them all the sets are on fire, and he'd say, "Oh, someone should call the studio." <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I and I guess that comes from I guess that comes from experience as well, like, because you know, especially in in the indie world, you you have to you know deal with so many impossible challenges all the time that i guess when you get to a certain level you've kind of been through a lot of hell beforehand and it phases you it phases you lefts and and a lot of the people that you're working with they have the same kind of approach like they've all been through such ridiculous stories and, and hardships that it's just second nature
2: absolutely i mean i would have gone running to the set with a fire extinguisher you know that'd be my first inclination. <laughs> right and, and he's like no there are systems set up for this and parameters and you, you just make a phone call and the fire department will be on its way and you know we don't pull out blankets and <laughs> try and put out fires don't run into it
0: <laughs> Going, yeah, right, no, exactly. my favorite prop is there exactly
1: what is what was your your experience of the, of the studio system like compared to you know independent movies like what's some Maybe some insight that people don't generally know about about that that difference.
2: Well, kind of that's a good question it's kind of an obvious thing, and that does lead to uh, then we went off to raise independent financing into the slew of independent films. I'm happy to to talk about some more. But uh, you know at the time, what was really frustrating to me as a producer and where, where I saw an opening for independent film production to to uh, make a, its mark was, the a massive amount of waste, you know, there was just so much expenditure that didn't go on the screen. And it was just it was ridiculous. And, and you know, it's we've been through a period of many shakeups since then and where people have gotten much more strict about that. And they've, they've slimmed down and and they've found more efficiencies. But back then it was there was so much money being thrown around and, and just so much wasted uh costs that that could have gone on the screen. Well, oh, this budget is huge and it's a problem. It's like, well, there's a lot of costs in there that have nothing to do with making this film, actually, on the production level. <laughs> you know, because they would all they tack on all their costs and their overhead fees and their percentages and their marketing fees and this and that. And then perks for this and that and this. You know, and then they'd come back and say, "Oh, the budget's too high. We got to lower it." <laughs> well, those things that are driving the budget didn't have a lot to do. So that was a big frustration for for both of us on the studio side. But on the other hand, it was their money, and they're they making the films, and we we're very happy to do that. So that that was that was one factor.
1: I guess the difference is when you're when you're in making independent films and uh, you know sometimes you have to produce and and direct or you know you're kind of slightly more directly linked to the the, the results of where the money's going uh, so every single penny you've got to kind of find somewhere uh, you know for it to go that's going to be incredibly valuable on screen uh, and there's not that level of insulation i guess between what's sort of being spent and you as the the hired Person, you're kind of directly the person that will get shouted at uh, in the independent world a lot more.
2: It's a different mindset, as you guys are well aware. It's uh, yeah. like a completely different mindset. You, you, you know, there's no, there's no overage bucket <laughs> for the most part, yeah. and uh, you know that's why I've I've always come in on budget, on schedule, not because uh, it's a nice idea, is because there was no option. <laughs> this mm. is all you have. So yeah, we went off and raised independent financing. Uh, We made a film with Mariel Hemingway called The Sex Monster that Mike starred in. And uh, Apparently I found out later that it did quite well in the UK. It was really well received over there. A lot of people told me they had copies of the DVD, and we like that. We mix. like these
0: kind of films. If the film's called the Sex Monster, <laughs> the British are in. They'd pretend they're all stiff up a lip, and <laughs> but secretly they're all getting it on VHS and <laughs> DVD and watching it.
2: I always had to preface it: the Sex Monster, a comedy. You know, <laughs> yeah, you had to say, yeah,
0: it's not just the yeah the Sex Monster. You're like, uh, yeah, the comedy. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, and the same with Four Player. Imagine as well, you know, you that straight film after that was. Called foreplay. Uh a comedy. <laughs> yeah.
2: Right, right. Well it started out the name of the film was Londinium. Yes. And, okay, and that Colin makes sense. Firth, Stephen Fry, Marielle yeah. Hemingway, Mike Binder, Arend Jacob. Uh we also had Jack D and uh of course, yeah. who was great. Wonderfully sarcastic, yeah. <laughs> Stephen Fry was amazing. Stephen was 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 terrific. He was so funny. And so the name of the film was Londinium, and we really stuck, stuck to that. But at the end of the day, our international sales uh, agent said, I can't sell Londinium. I can sell Foreplay. <laughs> so we had to concede to let him do the international under that name. But Fine. But yeah. Comedy. A
0: comedy. Uh, Both our mutual friend Charlie Gardner is in that film as well. Um, Oh, you know Charlie. Of course I know Charlie. Yeah, I made a music video for his band. um, And he's mentioned you a few times to me as well. So it's been really nice. Now we get to hook up this way as well. Um,
2: How hilarious. I had no idea. Matter of fact, he just rang me today. No way. No (laughs) way. That's amazing. He's one of my best mates. But your
0: memories of working with Stephen Fry and Colin Firth, at the time for you, was that... Was that quite an exciting thing to be shooting this film in London with at the time? You know, pretty big names.
2: Oh, it was! It, it was a time of our lives. It, it yeah? was such a great time. I mean, I, we, both Mike and I are are, are big uh, Anglophiles. We just love England, love London, love the countryside, and it just started a long, a long period of, of love affair with, with London. Uh, yeah, it just it, it was yeah, it was a time of our lives, and then we went on to do the search for John Gissing with Alan Rickman mm-hmm. and uh, and, as, and Juliet Stevenson, and Alan Corduner, and Owen who who's now ended up in uh, Game of Thrones. And, can I tell you a, a
0: little story? This there's there's, there's, sure. ta- there's tap dancing in this film. Is that correct? Yes, right. right. Yes. I, I am technically in the film. Okay, so <laughs> it used to Charles be called... it's hidden tap dancing well, I'm yeah. also weirdly in Gravity as well, but that's, that's a separate story. Um, I was a, back in the, the old days. I used to tap dance a bit because I was in West End and shows. <laughs> and you had this tap dancing scene in the film. And the film was called Something Else back then. And my tap teacher said, oh, well, they've got this, they're shooting this film. They need some tappers. There you go. I am one of the tappers in that film. <laughs>
2: oh my god that's
1: hilarious oh, there you i go. am gonna find that clip <laughs> oh, I'm, <I laughs> <it> hope, <laughs> I, I'm
2: pretty
0: sure it's been deleted <laughs> were you
2: in? so you were in the end credit sequence as well
0: i must have been yeah it was a big yeah, it was Where we, Alan we was a doing, whole, the yeah.
2: whole class we had we brought back the entire cast in a full class that's right frank of, harper uh, uh, was
0: doing it yes absolutely i remember that yeah, yeah. there yeah. you
2: go <laughs> Oh my! God. Where yeah. was that shot? Where, was oh, a, that was that big house. That was a Victoria. That's house, right.
0: I yeah, I just remember yeah. just hoofing away and trying, trying to get on camera. <laughs> because it was, it was, a, it was a while ago. Oh, that's hilarious! What a small
2: world. It is a that, small that was world. A great scene. <laughs>
0: i'm gonna to have to say to search that out again now just to see if i actually made the cut but um that was before i was done any act you know proper acting and you know you were just trying to get parts in anything at the time yeah there you go so that's fantastic yeah you that must that is
2: so funny that is, funny. That is that's so funny, funny. Like juliet that. stevenson was pregnant at the time she was a good sport she came out to do that scene.
0: oh bless her yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, do you know what frank harper said to me He said, because I was talking about, oh, trying to get in the business and all this. And he was in a film called um, Lockstock over here. And he had a line, which is something about every dog has its day, something along that Mm -hmm. line. And I was saying about that. And he just turned to me and he said, every dog has its day. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, all right, Frank, all the best. Let's tap, shall we? (laughs) (laughs) There
2: you go. There you go.
0: Zero. Fun times, fun times. So, so yeah, anyway, He's apart from correct. me, me starring great. in your film.
2: Lockstock's one of my favorite movies. Oh, and, it's
0: a great movie, isn't it? Yeah. Uh,
2: I got, worked with the guys. Uh, we had a couple of the guys on board uh, our film that did the Lockstock and Snatch and going right. on to work with Matt Vaughn and a,
0: Oh, super.
2: those were great days. They're great days, and I love, I just love filming in uh, in London. I've done four films there now, and Amazing. I plan to do many more. Uh, it's just a great place to work. You guys are such great craftsmen. Like I said, so dedicated to the to the trade and the craft, and and, and it's just it's been a win ever since. You know, it's just uh, it catapulted the British film uh, to to its rightful place as a leader in the world, which I'm very happy to have been a, a small part in.
1: And that's yeah, and so, so many American productions are over here and, you know, Pinewood and, uh, yeah, studio movies. It's just it's definitely like the, the, even the building sites. It's just constantly being built on at the moment uh, to uh, account for more productions. It's phenomenal.
2: It's phenomenal. It's just it just goes to, to prove, uh, you know, everything I was alluding to, you know, that having a stable tax credit is so important. You know, mm. so many jurisdictions that they don't understand the importance that, you know, you can't companies can't plant productions can't plan, let alone a company that wants to have a five-year, ten-year plan of where they're going. You know, if, if these things are um, dependent on governments coming and going and who's in power, uh, regis- legislation that can be removed, can be capped, can be shut down. That's just tragedy for a filmmaker to not know with certainty where a portion of their finances and support is coming from. And what the, the British government wisely, so wisely did was said, let's make this stable. Let's make it clear that it's stable and we'll reap the benefit of it. And that's why it's exploding. You can't get stages in London. now; They're, They have to build more and, you know, huge productions coming over. And it, so it's the, the quality of the crew and craftsmanship, like I was saying, it's the, it's the you know the, the in the stability of the incent
1: of the tax credit and uh it's just a great place to shoot you know, I love it our experience is that Americans can be a bit more receptive and kind of like okay let's take a chance on this I don't know if that's your experience as well
2: yeah I, th- I think so absolutely absolutely yeah you know there, there's 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 just so much production going on now so yeah you have to have an open mind to to giving talent a a shot and, and you know it's you know it's, the gorilla mentality is get it made you know yeah so, i've always prided myself in that and in a sense and so my brother we like to give people opportunities and, and give people shots and move them up i mean it's how you get great passionate people to do great work for you you know and if you don't have the budget to pay top dollar for the old tried and true season name you, you you know, you bring people up, and you hopefully catch them on a rise. I mean, that's one thing Mike and I were really, and uh, in, and in going forward, I've been lucky with in my career is catching people who are just about to take off. And uh, you know, if you can catch or or someone who's on a downturn and on a rebound, mm. catch them just before that rebound went back up. So you know, and but but elevating people from you know, let's say an assistant editor to an editor or a second AD or third AD to a second and to a first giving people opportunities is, is always been a win in my book. You know, if you, if you pick the right person at the right time, you know, they're ready to shine and give it their best and, and bring all their toolkit to it and do a great job it, it just makes sense
0: yeah mm. and they you you people easily get found out if they're not giving that much or they're not that talented it, you kind of find out straight away and it changes how you're thinking but you see those you, those people you give a chance to and they give so much to it and so much yeah. care and effort that it's like well that was worth doing That's totally and, it, worth and
1: it's doing. so it's so nice to see to see them kind of move up as well and, and see them mm. like you know five years ago you kind of meet them and they're just starting out and then you know five years later and you're just amazed at what people are are achieving yeah exactly exactly Exactly. you
0: should see my tap dancing skills now (laughs) (laughs) incredible (laughs) wow if only you were doing a sequel So never from, say never. <laughs> yeah, no. So from uh, the, the film that starred me, uh, you went th- next for you. Was it the Upside of Anger? Was that the next
2: film for you? Well, first we did The Mind of the Married Man at HBO. Right, so of course. HBO, yes, uh, did uh, two seasons of that of that show. So we ended up shooting that here in L.A. We shot the exteriors out in Chicago. Hilarious story. We had the actors coming across the Chicago River, middle of winter. We had to ADR the entire scene their teeth were chattering so much <laughs> <laughs> and uh but that's where was. sonia just shined in that show and she went on to do uh, network television she got picked up yes yeah, she did lost
0: that. as well in flash forward didn't she
2: yeah. yeah yeah so she yeah she went on to do uh, great things from that then we did the episode of anger then we went on to do that back in england funny enough there you go yeah yeah, absolutely. Set in set in my there's an interesting story here if you want to hear it. Um, yes, please. So, <clears throat> so the movie is The Upside of Anger, starring Kevin Costner, Joan Allen, Evan Rachel Wood. It's known Westworld. Oh, Carrie Russell.
1: exception in Westworld.
2: Yeah, she's amazing. She's amazing. Carrie Russell, um, and Erica Christensen, and Alicia Witt. Yep. Great cast about a mother and her four daughters, and Kevin plays a burnout baseball star. Uh, that uh, befriends the family and and Joan, Joan's character, and uh, so that was set originally set in our hometown of Birmingham, Michigan. Not to be confused with Birmingham or Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> Birmingham, just Birmingham. Yeah, <clears throat> Birmingham. Yeah, the the suburbs of Detroit, and you know, just making the financing work. Working with the financiers is tricky, and they said, "Hey, is there any chance you could shoot this in England?" and Having now done two movies there, we said, absolutely. And not only that, we'd love to. So uh, that was not a tough sell for us. The reason we didn't shoot that in Michigan was because there was no film tax incentive Mm -hmm. uh, to help push the finances over the top to make it work for the budget we had to make it at. It's it's incredible, isn't
0: it? It's incredible how that, that could even be a thing. You're kind of like, well fine we'll sh- move everyone over to england and shoot it there because they've got a tax credit it's kind of like well why wouldn't you have one in that state in michigan it's amazing isn't it it's amazing
1: well
2: uh, i'll tell you more about that I, so i i used this as a way to campaign i worked with the governor in the legislature and i helped write the michigan film tax incentive based oh. primarily on this fact
0: oh congratulations uh, well done <laughs>
2: Thank you. Well, and it was gangbusters for several years. We had um, Sam Raimi came in with the Wizard of Oz. We had Marvel movies come in. We had a Batman movie come in. Ben Affleck was in town. It was booming. And the government came and just as I was alluding to before, pulled the rug out from underneath it and killed it. Basically capped Uh it, capped it and then killed it. And, you know, once you start doing that, like I said, you know you can hear the sound of money sucking out of the room. It's yeah. just. just so we came so we decided let's shoot it in uh, in in england and and then the trick was now how do I find a very woodsy Michigan suburb in central London? yeah so that that became a real trick and it's a a long story i won't bore you with but finding uh, a house on a wood in central london was was no tricky
0: i can imagine did you build one in the end no, no, I
2: found one. I oh, found well one, done. but it was, it, it, I had to go f- from a view of about thirty thousand feet to find it. Eventually, I mean, we looked everywhere. We looked at whales, but we're like, we'll never get the the cast out to Wales. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, they don't want to go there. I'm about to filming Wales. You know, we love it there, but you know, like, I'm not going there.
2: <laughs> you know, the, it wasn't that they won't go there. It was it was that the pool was London. Yeah, was of like, course. Hey, you of like course. to go spend some time in London? you know you yeah. know that's that's really uh, a treat for for young stars whereas you know uh, <laughs> no, no offense to wales but <laughs> no offense to what I, I remember one of the financiers did say to me because i want you to go check out wales i think we're gonna They're starting a new incentive there i want you to go meet with the guy and so i humored him and got on a train and went down and the the minute I got off the train, the guy said, We can't shoot your whole movie here. We can shoot some. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your honesty. You just saved me a week in Wales. <laughs> <laughs> But we did we did give it some good thought and then on the end sure. of the day and i and i love Wales. As a matter of fact since i've been back if anyone's listening from wales i just love it i went ended up on the river Wye, and mm. uh, had just a beautiful time and then went down to a area in pembrokeshire that was just amazing so yeah. i i look forward to exploring it more and filming there very yeah much so. which
0: is what i'm about to do and the one thing about wales is it does rain a lot uh, so that's always tough when you're shooting outside, but it is even beautiful. more than England, even more than England. Yes. Yeah, it's it's how, how the weather works and the, where, how it comes across. But it's yeah, still, it's beautiful. It's stunning. So, you've got that.
1: What do you do?
2: You write it as rain. And yeah, you, you write it as, as rain. rain. If there's no rain, you yeah. put it in.
0: Yeah, <laughs> if there's no rain, yeah, you have to put it in. Yeah, you just pretend. You know what I mean, no one will notice. <laughs> oh, amazing. So, how was it working with someone like Kevin Costner then on that? That must have been, you know, fantastic for you guys. At the time, he'd come off some big films.
2: He was amazing. He's a great guy. He's such a, a great guy. Um, it was a pleasure to work for him. He, with him. He came. To, the set ready to go just nailed it you know he's such a professional you know he's a director he's a producer Mm -hmm. he's a star he's been through it all and you know what really impressed me is how you know there was that always that feeling oh shoot is he going to overpower the entire production by being just by the weight of kevin costner and you know is he going to overpower the director and you know, he, he didn't even come close to uh, to going near that. And he was so supportive and, and he was cognizant of it and just helpful. And, you know, he brought his skill set to it for sure. And he had some ideas and a lot of thoughts. And But he was very tactful the way he, he did that. And he just, you know, he said he really just performed as an actor and, an, and a, a friend and an advisor in his other hats. But just did a great job and nailed it. And he, you know, he was a delight to work with.
1: Oh, and that amazing. makes such a big difference, doesn't it? On on set, when you when you have someone who's that talented, and they're kind of you know working with you, even if they they probably know a lot more than a lot of the people there.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. No, it was it's good to have his steady hand there. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, you know, and he he's demanding enough as an actor. You know, he <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, he, not not demanding in sense of anything other than creative. You know, he's not not like he has big needs or wants or or demands. But just as an actor, he is, you know, very – I was really impressed by his his high standards of, you know, how the set should – you know, he'd like to see the set running and, you know, the props and the set dressing. I mean, just so aware of these things, you know, as a director would be, you know. Mm.
0: So Mm. for someone like you then coming across, which you've done a few times now, from America to England to set things up – How does it work in terms of, is it for you the same thing uh, as making a film in America as it is to making one in in England?
2: Well, no, good question. I mean, one thing, you know, I I wear many hats. I'm an executive producer, I'm a producer, I'm a line producer, and I'm a Director's Guild of America Unit Production Manager, DGA, UPM. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've, you know, sometimes, you know, I wear different hats on different films. Sometimes I wear them all, you know, as you know, as a guerrilla filmmaker, you wear them all. Yeah, uh, whenever you can, and wh- what these what these films and what that skill set has taught me is, I like to pride myself in the back of my mind that you can drop me off a helicopter anywhere in the world and I could set up shop and get the film made. Having done that, and that's from having done it in London, and uh, where just just that happened. You know, I was just dropped off on a plane. In London with very few contacts, if any, you know, Charlie Gardner was my was, what you know, luckily had a good friend in Charlie Gardner, one of my best friends in the world. And uh, but not too many other deep contacts there. We had some some other some other contacts that we could uh, that we developed over the years, but. You have to figure it out. You know, you just got to figure it out. And I and, and I was just beginning to learn. You know, everything from the different power supplies and power sources and equipment and and uh, technology. We were NTSC. You were PAL mm. back like then. And you know, it just it, it was a, It seemed like everything was different. The government systems were set up different. The banking. thing, You know, it took me. You know, no one warned me before I got off the plane. Oh, banking is going to take you a while to sort out. <laughs> it's not yeah. like in America. You know in America you walk into a bank you go I want to open an account. They're like, "Great, give us your money." You know in England, you at the time, I don't know if it's got much no, no,
1: it's 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 always a slow and tedious process <laughs> opening a film account.
2: Yeah, it's like really you, you, I'm about to bring a couple million dollars to put in there. You think you might want to open the door. <laughs> yeah.
1: But for
0: some reason they don't. They like to go, "Oh well, you're the same as someone making, you know, a crochet company with 20 quid it it makes no difference they're like well yeah it's going to take this long and we'll do it when we can which is a real shame like you say you're bringing a lot of money um we've obviously set up quite a few companies that way and you have to set up a bank account for each film and it can be a problem it can take time so you make sure you give yourself that bit of time if the money's arriving make sure it's set up before basically i think that's
2: a big lesson you want to take away in england to leave allow plenty of time (laughs) to yes set up your financing sources and your 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 banking requirements you know another thing you know while we're at it you want to talk about you know takeaways and this applies to both countries you know is a lot of filmmakers aren't aren't always aware how long these deals take and i'm sure you guys do with your your slate of films but People think, "Oh, I got the money. Great. The financier said gonna, they're going to they're going to pay for my film. Great. We're ready to shoot tomorrow." <laughs> no, you're <he's> not. <laughs> no, you're not. These deals take a long, long time, you know. Even once even though you're agreed, you, you know, you it can take 3, 4 months for all mm-hmm. the paperwork and all the lawyers have their say and all the deals and the actual by the time you actually get a check from the time someone said yes. And I think that's a really important factor. And I'd say uh, they're pretty similar between uh, the UK and the USA in that sense. Financing deals, financing deal, and uh, you know I've done legals in both and financial deals in both, and it's a little more streamlined in the states, I think. But in some ways, the contracts are a little more streamlined in the UK. There's, There's less it's they they seem to be more succinct uh, in the UK than the US and whereas you know the US they cover every possible event that could happen including an asteroid hitting earth and you know,
1: <laughs> which could get that asteroid could insurance. happen
2: yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> right, right so so i think that's, you know, that, that's a big takeaway as a filmmaker that's so important allow for that time is be aware that it will take you time mm-hmm. to get the, the money actually in the bank once someone has said yes i'll, I'll give you the money <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Does, yes doesn't yeah. happen quickly
0: there you go you're absolutely right uh, it's good advice uh and then i mean next it's amazing you mentioned ben affleck earlier and then you got to to work with him on man about town and uh, adam sandon Rain over me almost almost back to back um tell us about those two how did they come about again it's it's all wonderful stuff with mike as well um it's supposed to be great you great partnership that you and your brother have
2: yeah yeah we, we, we it was really exciting days i mean we were on a roll we're making film after film and uh you know just the powered by his 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 terrific writing you know his his scripts were just really well re- received you know, I was alluding to before the upside of anger was a script that was, it was the talk of the town. I mean, it was, that was the top of the list of of the great scripts in circulation. And I think that we had a lot of offers for it, but you know, Mike is steadfast that he wanted to direct it. He wanted to make it. He wanted us to make it. And yeah, the two of us worked together for many years and, you know, that was one thing we were really excited about doing that ourselves. And uh, then he went on. He had written a script uh, for Man about Town. The film is a tongue in cheek look at the world of Hollywood agents and the film business. And, and he had originally written it for um, Steven Spielberg to direct, actually. Wow. Um, OK. And he was working with Steven on it. And at the end of the day, I think he went on to do something much uh, different, and uh, it, he didn't. So Mike stepped up and directed it, and that was uh, yeah. Ben Affleck, Rebecca Romaine,
1: big shoes to fill. <laughs>
2: yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, one of the great joys of my career working with the great John Cleese. Yes. Uh, hmm. Yeah. That was that was amazing. And great cast: Cal Penn, Gina Gershon, uh, Adam Goldberg. Uh,
0: uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Jero O'Connell. Yeah, exactly. Some, some great people in that.
2: So that was really exciting. Yeah, we were off to the races on that one because the same company that we did uh, Upside with on the financing side uh, agreed to go forward with Lionsgate Films. And we decided to shoot that in Vancouver. So again, film tax credits taking a... Very important roles they always do,
0: and they're still very high at the moment over there in Vancouver. So it's still worth looking at for sure. And you
1: can you can get very good uh, crew deals as well, and 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 casts generally. It's it's just very good value, isn't it? In in Canada, it
2: really is it really is. And with the yeah the Canadian dollar versus the U.S. dollar is, is a huge huge benefit. The incentives are great. Like I said, they're stable. One of the reasons Vancouver is a dynamite place to shoot is they've never, never wavered. You know, at one point they reduced them a fraction, but then they put them back up as they had to compete with Toronto and Montreal. But it's become a powerhouse. So that was great. I I love Vancouver. Beautiful town, great place to film. Uh, Ben Affleck was amazing to work with. He's just such a great guy, terrific professional. Um, John Cleese, Rebecca, Gina Gershon, Cal All those guys. So it was just great crew, great cast, great crew. Um, was, really
0: enjoying. Was Ben at the time thinking about directing himself? Was he talking about that? Was 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 he interested in your side of things? Because obviously producing and yeah. stuff himself. Was he talking to you about anything like that?
2: I'm trying to recall, not not a lot. No, I think this was just before he he started uh, branching off into directing. Uh, it was probably the beginning of it, and I would imagine that the, this was kind of the the birth of that, uh, or one of the, you know he did so many films. But I think I think at the time it was uh, a good time of interest, introspection for him, and you know I can't speak for any conversations he had with Mike, but you know I'm sure Mike gave him some pointers on that, and and you know, obviously he's gone on to become an incredible director.
0: Absolutely has, yeah, some great work.
2: But it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing working with him. He was just was he, he had a lot of fun with the character, and he did a great job. <laughs> From the
0: films that you've mentioned so far, was there anything on there that went wrong uh, that you could give as advice to say, "Oh, don't do that"? This is what happened that that was a nightmare, or I wish I hadn't done that. Is there anything you can remember on those films?
2: Gosh. Um... No, it all went perfect, guys. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> <about> one problem. <laughs> I can't think of any calamities. You know, again, it just came. Comes down to keeping your head and keeping your cool. You know, we had some. We had some issues uh, with weather and production on the on the one up in Vancouver. Um, you know, just keeping a, a cool head, allowing time. And as you know, uh, you know, without saying what we all know as filmmakers, it's all in the prep. It's yeah. all in the prep. You know, if mm. you don't, you know, I, I always say it and I'm sure you've heard it. If you see me running around with my head like a chicken with his head cut off on the set, I screwed up months ago. Mm.
0: Yeah, I know. What you mean. Something
2: could just go wrong now. I mean, there are emergencies and there are tragedies and things come up, but for the most part, you know, I should be really bored doing
1: shooting. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, and I guess, I guess it's also down to to your mindset as well. I mean, it, you know, from what you've been saying, it's it's very much down to, you know, when it, when a problem does come up, it's just something that you look at and it's like, okay, that that needs solving, rather than okay, this is a disaster. What do we do? And and I think I think people's reaction to that will will influence how everyone on set reacts, and you know, whether it's just another. Another thing to, to just be working through or, or whether you see it as a, as a problem, uh, so to speak.
2: You no, know, you bring up a great point because I never realized, you know, and this, I don't know if we're, this is more of a personal thing or a professional filmmaker thing, but, you know, I, I hadn't been uh, completely aware, especially as a producer, people are so attuned to your your frequency. Mm. Uh. You know they really are and and that so that it does underline the fact of keeping a cool head while all others are losing theirs you know the famous Kipling poem. Um you, you people breed off that yeah and it can it's contagious and it'll spread like wildfire. so mm. if you're not calm if you're crazy and, and you know this, I think this applies for directors a great deal as well as you know if you can keep your head about you while everyone else is losing theirs you can keep the the, the boat steady. That you know that is the the frequency that will will matriculate out. But if you're crazy and you know losing your head, th- you know that's the vibe that's going to go out there, and mm. it, it it creates a ripple effect of its own chaos. So I'd say that's a big a big takeaway. You, you nailed it. It's a it's like you you know Pete. It's contagious. You know you're and people are looking to you as a as the director and the producer. You know the whole crew and the cast as well are looking for you to be the lighthouse in the storm and calm and knowing exactly what you want. And you know, I'd say the other take, a parallel takeaway of that is is what's what's been really helpful in our careers. You know, is is just that having a definitive plan, being prepared, executing, having a singular, unique vision. You know, if there's too many hats. That's why That's why we really liked being a team, because there weren't too many different voices. It was a very straightforward, you know, um, role for us of, of getting the job done and not too much, uh, not too many cooks in the kitchen. Because it, and especially for, for the director, it's got to be a singular vision. That's mm. my takeaway. A film has to be a singular vision of the director. You know, obviously the writer wrote the story and uh, you know i've been fortunate enough to work with a writer director so we can really bob and weave when we need to but you it's it's that drive and that focus of a singular vision that really keeps so much on track and it it, it speaks to the flexibility i was talking about earlier but how you know to to roll with punches that hit you the inevitable punches of of weather and other factors i mean Mm. we've had we've had tragedy beset us we've had people uh, sadly lost their lives through no no responsibility of ours you know i remember we were shooting on the south bank one time and we're like what's the holdup up now and i'm like well somebody just jumped off the bridge they've shut down the entire oh, river oh god you know oh, terrible sure. terrible story it doesn't yeah. you know obviously nothing to do with us but it affects it and, and, you know, and it, it upset everybody, you know, everybody was terribly upset and you just got to keep calm and, and move forward. And and, and uh, so I'd say that's a big a big takeaway it's a singular vision and focus and staying calm and 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 be aware that, you know, there's a lot of yellers and screamers in the business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, you talk about the professionals I've worked with, and that's what I loved about the people I work with. The real professionals don't behave like that.
0: Right, Giles there jumping in to tell you this is the end of part one. Sorry to do this, but Jack gave us so much information, so much knowledge as you can hear that it was too much for me to cut down and take all those bits out, mainly because that would have taken me a long time. But I actually really wanted to hear all this. So part two is out on Friday where Jack goes into detail about First Reformed, about Oscars, about working with some amazing stars and going from indie films to studios and back again, and what he is doing now. Oh, it's a joy, it's a joy to listen to him. So whatever you're doing this week, do something to inspire yourself. Whatever you're doing, get out there and make your film. Whatever you're doing, make it count. You're a filmmaker, you're a screenwriter, you're a producer, you're a director. You're all of those. You're an actor. What are you waiting for? Take your opportunity and make shit happen. Believe in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, till Friday, all my love, take care, bye bye.